eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We have a little bit of a different style of podcast coming your way today. It's going to be a recording of a live Q&A we did on Sunday night where we answered some reader-submitted questions from Twitter and the Fog.net message board. And we also had a fan come on and, and talk in person as well through the uh, Twitter space platform. Apologies if the audio quality is not the best. Um, it's the best we could do with the Twitter space uh, medium, but we'll have more <laughs> higher quality audio for you next week. Um, but as always, if you enjoy what you hear, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. Those help out a bunch. And hope everyone enjoys the podcast episode, and we will be back to our regularly scheduled content next week. All righty, we'll get underway here. Hope everyone's Sunday is going well. We're five practices in to KU football's training camp, and they get a total of 25 allotted practices before the September 2nd season opener. Um, so to start off, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, give you guys an idea of what maybe it looks like for us that get to go to practice we are able to go and see kind of the first about 20 minutes of every KU practice. And it's a good time for us to kind of get a, a feel for some of the players. It's a lot of stretching, individual drills, things like that. You know, you're not going to see uh, too much fancy stuff in terms of play calling and things like that, but a good idea or a good way to get some time and see some of these players in person. And, you know, for us, you get to see a lot of these new transfers in person, you know, KU brought in 14 four-year transfers in addition to several junior college recruits. And of course that added to the list today um, with the addition of Reich, who is a Switzerland native coming from the junior college ranks. And for KU now, I think the big thing that I'll start here with one of the questions that uh, come from Twitter. And if you have a question, you can request uh, to be a speaker and we'll let you hop in and ask questions and we can uh, go from there. But we'll start here with one from, King Fitz on Twitter, you know, who are some of the most impressive players that you've seen in person that maybe we don't know, but we'll hear from this fall. I think for me, I got to start with Jeremy Robinson, a defensive end, 
he's a junior who, you know, has played a little bit last year. And I think for me, when I look at him and the things that probably excite me most about him and what he could do this fall is you look at his body and his frame. And this is one of the things you get to see kind of at practice is what these different guys look like. And for someone like him, he looks super lean, right? He's, you know, trimmed some weight over the off season, looks really good. And you compare him to someone like Lonnie Phelps, who looks like a robot out there just in terms of his frame, you know, long arms, really defined muscles. And Robinson kind of fits that. And he's someone that, you know, Lance Leipold during his first press conference last week, the first player he mentioned all fall camp wasn't Jalen Daniels, wasn't Devin Neal, it was Jeremy Robinson. And I think that speaks volumes to maybe the strong impression he's made early in fall camp. And for me, I think you look at the production last year and the ability to maybe build off of that this year. You know, you compare him, right? He's going to play the strong side defensive end role. And Malcolm Lee right now is the incumbent starter there. And you look at what Robinson did last year. So he played, I've got the numbers here in front of me, 250 snaps, which was the 18th most of any defensive player. But he had 14 tackles and three and a half tackles for loss. And then you compare that to someone like Malcolm Lee, who you look last year, uh, played a bunch, right? The six most snaps of anyone on the defense. And he had 23 tackles and two and a half tackles for loss. So nine more tackles and one fewer tackle for loss than Robinson. And so I look at him being someone that you look at this roster, right, in the defensive line room as a whole, it's old. And you're looking for some of these young players to step up. And we'll talk about some of those younger guys in a second. But Robinson, I think, is one of those guys that has really caught my attention here early on. You know, Cave's going to do a a full open practice later on. in fall camp. And so we'll get the chance to see some of these guys in person for a full practice. And he's one of the guys that like, when we get to do that, I will have my eye on him because I want to see it in person, see what it's like with the full pads on. And so uh, Jeremy Robinson is someone I'm really excited about. I think you switch offensively. And it's so interesting because you look up and down the roster and it's kind of some known commodities, right? You know what Jalen Daniels is, you know, the offensive line, who's going to start there. And so for me, I go to the tight end room. And I think Trevor Cardell is someone that has caught my attention during some of these drills and the way that practice works, the portion we're able to see, you know, the quarterbacks and tight ends are kind of right in front of us. And so the last couple of days, you know, I've gotten the chance to see Cardell in person. And I think the way that he moves, um, you can tell kind of the, the crispness of the routes that he's running, right? And this isn't something where Kotelnicki, the offensive coordinator, is having to pull him to the side and give him a bunch of coaching, right? He's someone that seems to have the talent and something that I thought was super surprising. You look last season, he played the most snaps of any tight end. Personally, you know, you think just eye test, you think Mason Fairchild would be that guy that plays the most snaps, but it was Trevor Cardell. And so he's someone that I think if he puts it all together here over the course of fall camp, could start at tight end and be someone that makes a lot of noise this fall because you look at the wide receiver room, a lot of question marks there. You know what you have with the running backs. and already mentioned the offensive line quarterback. And so I think during these periods, I think Cardell is someone that has really caught my attention so far. So, all right, that's that. Let's move down to another one. This one's going to come from the Fogged on It message board. And, of course, if you aren't already on the message boards commenting, um, go ahead and head over and join. Um, I think interesting conversation a lot of fans, it's a free message board that you can join and come hang out and talk to other fans and get some perspectives. And so for me looking here, you know, let's start here with uh, a question from Armadillo Knights. Who do you see 
or who will be our top two wide receivers? That's a really good question because I think for me, the wide receiver room is the one that you have probably the most questions about heading into this year. You obviously lose Kwame Lasseter, whose production I think almost doubled the next best wide receivers in Trevor Wilson and Lawrence Arnold. And when I go to pick, you know, the, the leading wide receivers, I think for me, my first pick is going to be Lawrence Arnold because you look at the skill set that he has, his frame. He's someone that at high school, you know, had a really, really good high jump, showed that athleticism there. And now it's just a question of can he continue to take the steps forward? And for him, you know, six foot three, 200 pounds, produced a little bit last year. I think he's someone that could have a really big year. And especially if KU is looking for one of these targets, like who's the guy that is going to get open on third down? I have a feeling that Lawrence Arnold could be one of those guys, the size, the frame, the athleticism. I think he's one that I have my eye on. And the second one, I think for me, is where I really kind of start to scratch my head. I'm a big fan of Douglas Emelian. I think that he's the Minnesota transfer, for those who are unfamiliar. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent. And I think that there are people around KU who feel similarly. But the question with the new incoming wide receiver transfer is, how is that connection going to work with the quarterback? And how is that going to work with Jalen Daniels? And I thought it was interesting talking to Jalen at Big 12 Media Days. He talked a lot about kind of comparing Kwame Lasseter to Douglas Amelian and his skill set. I think if you're going to pick you know, someone to compare him to, I think it's an interesting comp because the things that Kwame Lasseter did last year were really huge for KU. He just had the ability to get open. And I think that's something that if Amelian shows he can do, that's going to be huge for KU. And I look at Amelian, didn't play a bunch in Minnesota, right? I think he only played 13 snaps last year as a redshirt freshman at Minnesota. And he's someone that doesn't have a ton of experience, but with the talent he has, I think he's one that could be up there in terms of the wide receiver production. But again, that's going to be very dependent on how things go with fall camp with him. And we've reported a little bit about that on the, the VIP board so far. And I think for me that I look at Luke Grimm, you know, he's someone that you look at his story and it's just, it's one of these, that's just a great story, right? KU initially, I think starts recruiting him as a defensive back. Then, you know, things happen with the scholarship. It ends up getting reinstated and he's added as a wide receiver. And then ever since then, he's been one of these guys that you just can't not play. And I wonder heading into this year, if he's going to have that same thing where people like myself want to tab someone like Douglas Amelian to come in and start and have a big role and play a bunch. But every time it seems like this happens, Luke Grimm is the type of guy that shows up and produces. And so I think for me, I look at kind of those three guys being the main ones. I probably feel best about Lawrence Arnold just because I think we've seen some of his production. You know, you feel better about it. Uh, I'd like to say Trevor Wilson. Um, I just, for me, I'm not 100% sold there. And that's just personal opinion, I think, at this point. You know, you add what he showed last year in addition to kind of what you hear from the spring. And so he's one that, you know, if he comes out and has a really strong start to the season, of course, I'll be able to change my answer then. But I think for right now, you know, Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm, and Douglas Hamillion, I think, are my three. But I'll say this, too. You look at the wide receiver room, there are some young guys there as well. Tanaka Scott is someone that uh, I know some people think has a really high ceiling, really good straight-line speed guy. Quentin Skinner is another person, really good size, six foot five. I think Jason Bean said earlier this week that he might be the fastest player on the team outside of himself and Trevor Wilson. I think that's a plus to have that type of speed. And so I think those are probably the wide receivers that I look at and say, you know, those are the guys that I'll have my eye on so far this fall. All right, let us transition here. 
let's see what we got here. KU Tracker has a question. I know there's been a lot of talk that one of the 23 commits is going to need more recruiting to stay on board through signing day. What do you think that players like him need to see from the team this season to keep them invested? I think it's a really good question because I think you look at this as a whole, right? For KU, you're really trying to get guys to buy in on being a part of the process. It's something that, you know, getting the chance to spend two years covering Iowa State, you get a feel for what a player likes. And I think I can think of a few commits right now that during the recruiting process, they mentioned the process as being one of the things that really attracted them to KU. And I think that for certain players, that's what they're about. They want to be on the ground floor of something big. They want to come in and a lot of these guys come from really successful high school programs and they want to translate that success and be a part of the change at a program like KU. Um, and I'll, you know what, Taylor Davis, I think is a really good example of this. This is something that he mentioned to me when we talked is that he wants to be able to, when he graduates from KU, maybe KU's in a better spot. He wants to be able to point back and say, I was a part of one of the first freshman classes that came in and really changed the program around. And I think that's a sense of pride with some of the recruits and some of the guys that are committed. And so I think that's a big thing for some of them. And so for others, there are different reasons why they pick KU. Maybe it's the ability to play early. Maybe it's the fact that it's a power five offer and, you know, they have the chance to, to step up to that level. Um, but some aren't maybe about the process. And so you look at what KU season could look like. Are they going to win six games? No, I'd be frankly shocked that happens. But it's a question of is that player or are players in general going to want to stick with the school that maybe doesn't have a flashy record? And so I think just there are all these things and different dynamics that makes each recruitment different, each recruit different, because each player has their own priorities and the things that they look for in a school. And so I think for, you know, the player like this, you know, that's what you need to do is continue to recruit them and say, Hey, you need to be a part of the change. You know, you're going to come here and help contribute to us changing. And so it's kind of the nature of the beast these days. And I think that to some degree, there are some players out there that, you know, just don't want to go to KU and that's cool too. And that happens with other kids that come in and visit, they see it. It just isn't for them. And that's, you know, perfectly fine. Right. Everyone, for those that have gone to college, you can think about it, right? You consider multiple schools and some of them just don't feel right when you visit. And that happens totally in recruiting too. And so I think for the staff, it's going to be really big to make sure everyone's bought in on the vision before kind of they do the, the big commitment and make it public because you want everyone to be on the same page so that if KU goes three and nine this year, there's not a huge exodus of decommitments right there at the end of November to where the coaching staff has to pivot to other options that maybe they weren't thinking about this time or back in June as well. So I think recruiting is fascinating these days too, of course, with, you know, think about NIL, um, the transfer portal, the ability for the, you know, you think about the saying, right, the grass is always greener on the other side. And I think that nowadays the avenues are there where it can seem that way. And so I think, you know, each recruitment is different. And so I think for KU, it's just a question of finding the right guys, getting those guys committed, and then making sure that they understand the vision that the staff has. All righty. Let's see. Let's get to another one here from the message board. I thought this one was really interesting. Um, it'll lead us to talk a little bit more about the defensive side of the football, but how many returning starters won't start because they upgraded the position. So there are a few I'm going to name here. 
I think you got to start the linebacker position with someone like Gavin Potter, for example. You know, could Gavin Potter earn a starting spot this spring? Or sorry, this this fall camp. It's not spring. Uh, yeah, he definitely could. You know, he started last year, has plenty of experience. He knows the scheme and everything. Um, that's going to be the big deal for him. And so I look at that linebacker room, though. How different does it look right now than it did last year? I thought Brian Borland had a great quote when we talked to him last week where he said it was bare bones at time. You know, that's pretty frank, right? It was Rich Miller and Gavin Potter, and both of them played over 75% of the snaps last season. And that's a, that's a lot of snaps. And so you look at that room now. You've got someone like Eric Gilliard from UCF who's played a ton of football. Someone like Craig Young from Ohio State who I think if you're going to pick guys with the highest ceiling on defense – He's got to have the highest of any of them. I mean, he's someone that, of course, was recruited at Ohio State. Like, he's going to be really good. But you just look at the frame, six foot three, 225 pounds, you know, runs his 40 in the low four fives, just athletically is the type of player that Kansas doesn't usually have a lot of. And so with him, I think he's going to be one that might start immediately at Hawk. I think you have to look at someone like Lorenzo McCaskill coming in from Louisiana. He's going to be a one-and-done transfer I think there's a good chance he starts. I'd be shocked if Rich Miller doesn't start. And so you're going through and kind of naming all these players, and that's just a question of, is Gavin Potter going to be the guy there? You know, again, fall camp is five days old, you know, five of the 25. So a long way to go, but I I think about the linebacker position being one of those examples. And then I think you take a step back and you look at the cornerback position, and I think it's a very similar circumstance where – let's use the example of someone like Jacoby Bryant who started towards the end of last season and had a, some really good games. Key went out and got Kalon Gervin from Michigan state, who I think is going to start. And then you look at it being a, a pure battle, you know, between someone like Monte McGarry, the Utah state transfer, who's working out with the cornerbacks at the start of fall camp. And then also Romello Dotson. And so I think that the cornerback positions one where I think the staff is really going to prioritize guys who can tackle because, you know, for the, Cave fans that have watched, you know, how often has it been that on the outside and on the edge, those are kind of the positions that have missed tackles that aren't maybe as physical as other positions. And I think this staff really is prioritizing the guys who can tackle, being sure tacklers, being physical, being willing to be physical. You know, those are big things. And so I look at that spot. I think that's one where we could see a newcomer in Monte McGeary or even just a younger player in Romello Dotson stepping up there as well. And then, of course, safety. I think that's got to be the easiest one of them all, right? I think O.J. Burroughs is a really good player, and I think he's going to have a long career at KU and a lot of starts. But you bring in Marvin Grant from Purdue, and I think you expect him to start. And I think the expectation is that Marvin Grant will start. And, you know, I think most people can read the story on Fog.net tomorrow, but we'll talk a little bit about kind of the transfer portal as a whole and how much these guys come in and impact the staff or in in the depth chart, right? And so you look at Marvin Grant coming in, and he's probably going to start. But then what does this do for O.J. Burroughs? You know, he played last year, is a true sophomore, and has a redshirt available. Does KU decide to redshirt him this year and make sure that he can play, you know, three, four years down the road? I think that's a question you have now. And so I think I look defensively, that's where probably the most incumbent starters are, have the potential to lose their spot. Mentioned Trevor Cardell earlier. I think he's one that, as a younger player, maybe could supplant Mason Fairchild. We'll have to see. Um, but outside of that, offensively, you know, you're looking at Armage Reed Adams, you know, replacing Malik Clark there. 
uh, at guard. And so there aren't as many guys on the offensive side of the ball who could be supplanted by younger guys. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think about that. All right, let's get another question here. I see Reed Bueller would like to speak. We can Let's see if we can do this right. Reed, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Hello, Michael Swain. Hello. All right. What questions do you have? My question for you is, it seems like our running back room is the deepest position group we've probably had in the last, like, 15 years. How do you think they plan to use all four guys? Like, do they think that they're going to split Sevion out wide sometimes or, like, multiple running backs? What do you think is the plan there to get them all on the field? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and that's something that I wrote about. Thank you for asking that, Reed, because I will now plug what I wrote about today. Um, for the Fog.net VIP subscribers, you know, talking to some running backs today, Jonathan Wallace, the running backs coach, talked today as well. And it goes back to kind of the theory of, you know, getting your best players on the field and finding out different formations to use them. And so, you know, Iowa State used to have the, the saying players formations plays and Andy Kotelnicki has a very similar mindset with this stuff. And so I think KU is going to get really creative. Guys today talked about, you know, multi-running back sets, using motion. I think those are the type of things where it's not going to be pistol or one running back all game. You're going to see Kai Thomas and Devin Neal on the field at the same time. You're going to see Sevion Morrison and Devin Neal at the same time. You know, Daniel Hyshaw is going to have a role to play. You know, seeing him today in person, he is a bowling ball. And I think maybe fans and people in general might forget how productive he was, you know, a couple of years ago before he had the season ending injury last year. And so they're going to get creative. Um, do I know the exact formations and plays? No, I, I don't. Not right now. But I think you look at Kodernecki, what he did last year with Jason Bean, when he got back and how he used him maybe as a running back. I think they're going to get creative and this isn't going to be vanilla play calling um, like we've seen maybe with the last staff with some of the run plays, they're going to get creative and they're going to have multiple running backs on the field at the same time, which I think is a smart thing to do. You look at the wide receiver room, right? We talked about them a little bit, how many question marks there are there and just use the guys, you know, are good players. And right now I think, you know, that that offensive line is going to be decent. And then, you know, that your running backs are going to be arguably maybe one of the most talented rooms in the big 12. I think Texas probably has the best running backs room, right, with Bijan Robinson and some of the other four-star recruits. But outside of that, I'd argue KU's is right up there with just about anybody else. So I'm interested to see the specifics of what they do. I don't think we'll see it against Tennessee Tech. I think it probably won't be until West Virginia in week two and beyond that we see some of the creative stuff. But I think that Andy Kolonecki is going to get creative with what he does. I hope that answered the question, Reed. You got me, Swain. Thank you. Fantastic. All righty. And of course, if you want to ask a question on the live, go ahead and request to speak and we can get you on here. I will move down the list. And let's go to, can you speak about some of the newcomers along the defensive line and also some of the younger redshirt guys like Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers? I've talked a lot about this on the, the VIP board so far. Um, I think that you look at the defensive line room and it's so interesting because I think to some degree, the staff might expect to go to the transfer portal. Um, if you look at the start of the summer, that probably would have been the plan. And I think that you look at that young defensive tackles and the young defensive line group as a whole. And if those guys continue to take steps forward, maybe you don't need to go to the transfer portal because 
you are going to lose, you know, what is it right here? I've got the roster in front of me. You lose five defensive tackles and two defensive ends after this year. And so that's a lot of older bodies you're losing. And you've got guys like Jeremy Robinson, who we talked about earlier, who will be a, a junior this season and will have multiple years of eligibility. Obviously, Lonnie Phelps is someone that I think is going to have to anchor that weak side defensive end role and really be a force for KU and replacing Kyron Johnson. And so for those younger guys, you look at DJ Withers and Tommy Dunn. I mean, those are two that I know the staff is very high on. I wouldn't be surprised if they played this year. I think that's the thing. And the decision kind of has to be made at some point, right? you got to weigh the, is this player ready to compete in 2022 or do they need more time? And it will be interesting to see as fall camp goes along, are Withers and Dunn seen as guys that, you know, regardless, they're seen as high ceiling players, but are they players that are ready to help this team in 2022? And that'll be the question that kind of will have to be answered here over the next few weeks. And so those are two young guys. Caleb Taylor is another one put on the most weight of any football player this offseason. Um, he's now north of 300 pounds, which I think is really big for him. And he, according to Lance Leipold, he's carried his weight really well. Uh, too. So I think those are three young defensive tackles to watch. And then as for the newcomers, let's start with Davion Westmoreland, um, the, the Hutchinson Community College transfer. Getting to see him in person, it's so interesting comparing the body types because Westmoreland's someone that carries his weight a little bit higher. And you look at someone like Lonnie Phelps, who's well-built all around. Jeremy Robinson's well-built all around. And Westmoreland looks like someone that can put on a lot more weight. And so he has... Uh, three years to play, I want to say, or maybe it's three by four or four by three, something like that. He has a red shirt to use regardless. And he will be one that the staff has to make a decision with, right? Do you use those four games and save the red shirt and let him develop so that this time next year, he's ready to go, ready to step in and compete for a starting spot. I think that's kind of the question with someone like him, where I think that the next really three weeks are going to maybe determine that where you'll figure out with the rest of the defensive ends, do you need someone like Westmoreland to provide depth over the course of the season? And then Dean Miller, um, really athletic. I think seeing him in person, um, I think he's listed about 200 pounds as a defensive end. Um, the weight room is going to be big for him. And that was the plan going in. Dean Miller was not someone that was added thinking he needs to help us in 2022. I think the staff's perspective on him was let's bring him in. He'll spend a year in the weight room with Matt Gildersleeve. He'll maybe be on the Caleb Taylor diet where you put on a lot of weight, right? If he's 200 pounds right now, you probably want him to be 240 next year at some point. So you'll try and have him add weight. But, I mean, Dean Miller, if, folks, if you have time, like, watch the film. He's super athletic, and he's one of these types of players that, you know, I think if he had stayed at junior college for another year, he'd be going to uh, a much more prestigious program than some – program like KU right now I don't know if SEC but a different Big 12 program potentially so I think you look at overall I think the two additions are both interesting because I think Dean Miller not going to be a huge factor this year could be a factor next year and Davion Westmoreland I think you you flip the coin and you kind of see where things land here in the next few weeks with him so overall I think D-line is one of the more fascinating positions I think because there's so many scenarios you look at those older defensive tackles, you know, Sam Burt, been around the program for a long time. Eddie Wilson uh, was in his first year last year. You know, word is he had a, a good spring and could be ready to compete for that starting job again. And, of course, you have Caleb Sampson, who 
I think you're going to pick one of the defensive tackles to have the best season. I'd probably pick Caleb Sampson at this point. I think that he's one that could be poised for a big season, and we're going to get to talk to him, I believe, on Monday. So really interested to hear about his story and how things have gone for him since the spring. All right, let's get into some of these here down below. All right. Well, I like this question. This comes from Colton News Sports Talk. Oh, I hope I pronounced that last name right. He says, I like our defensive ads this offseason. What do you think it'll take for some of these new guys to really make an impact, like Marvin Grant and a lot of our other defensive ads? Do you think we'll see a lot of change in our defense because now we have a lot of depth? Yeah, I think that, you know, let's start here. We can run down the list for these defensive additions um, for KU. And, you know, obviously we talked about the linebackers earlier. I think all of those guys are going to step in and make an impact in year one. And I think you're going to see KU just rely on the depth a lot more. I don't think you're going to see Rich Miller or Gavin Potter playing 75% of the snaps like they did last year. And so, you know, I think Craig Young going to compete for a starting spot. I think Kalen Gervin competing for a starting spot. And if he doesn't win, a starting spot, I think that I, you'd be pretty surprised there because word around is he's done a really good job and is also one of the leaders of the team from what I've heard so far. And then you've got, obviously, Eric Gilliard. I think you expect him to start. Lonnie Phelps for sure is going to start. Jared Paul, I think, is the big one for me that I look at, and I wonder, what does his role look like this fall? Because you look at the versatility. He played cornerback last year. Um, and played safety while he was at Rutgers, and KU recruited him to play safety, and he's now, I think he's going to slide in and play the kind of nickelback position. So let's see if I can do a crash course here real quick. So Craig Young is going to play this field side hawk position that's going to be playing in space a lot, and there are going to be times where KU is going to go against a spread offense. I think about Texas. They're going to need a cornerback out there, someone with versatility who can tackle someone like Bijan Robinson, while also be able to cover wide receivers like Xavier Worthy, who are just incredibly talented. And I think that's the type of role where Jarrett Paul will come in and provide some of that versatility and depth. Then you look Marvin Grant, right? For sure going to start there at the safety spot. For me, I'm more interested to see where does Kenny Logan fit into this? Is Kenny Logan going to stay at the boundary side safety position where he played last year? Or is he going to go to the field side? Because when we talked to Kenny at Big 12 Media Days, he said his goal is to lead the conference interceptions. And for those that maybe didn't know, you know, Kenny Logan was the only safety last year to have 113 tackles, um, multiple forced fumbles, and four pass breakups. I think I got that one right. Um, and so we'll have to see how they line up. And then, of course, Lorenzo McCaskill starts at linebacker. And then Monty McGarry, I think he competes for a starting spot at cornerback. And so I think you're looking at overall – you've just added veteran players and you look last year, they had 68 players who were two years removed from high school or younger. It's incredibly young. And now you've got guys that are physically developed, ready to compete at the power five level. And so I think you look at all these guys, the transfers that they brought in defensively. I think they've all got to be in position where they need to be able to contribute in their first year with the program. All right, let's keep moving with questions here. Lots of good ones. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Let's see. All right, let's go. Another one from Colton News Sports Talk. I honestly see KU going 4-8. and eight. It's just going to be our defense really answer the bell. If we can hold our ground, we can shock some folks. I think that defense is going to be key. I think you got to look at Jalen Daniels, though, and the level of quarterback play that you can get because, you know, quarterback play trumps all to some degree. And I think we've seen for so many years that, you know, outside of the, the Carter Stanley season in 2019, you know, how often have we really seen consistent quarterback play from KU? And, you know, I think, you know, Carter Stanley that season had some ups and downs, but I think had some really big moments. And you saw what KU was able to do offensively when he played at his best. And I think you saw last year, if the Jalen Daniels of the final three weeks of the season shows up over the course of a full season, you got to feel good about KU's opportunity to just be in games. And I think that's what you have to look for this fall is can KU just be in some of these games? Can you avoid the 50-point blowouts to Iowa State and Oklahoma State? Can you, in the fourth quarter against a team like Oklahoma, you know, keep the ball, keep the clock draining, and be able to kind of withstand some of the waves that some of the more talented teams are going to be able to come at you with? And so I think I look at quarterback play being a big barometer for KU's success this fall because it's something that KU just hasn't had a ton of so far. All right, let's keep moving down the list. <laughs> All right, this is a joke one, but coming from the message board, who is my favorite poster on the football board? It's going to be Scott Chasen. Um, he has an alias that I'm not going to dox, but he posts on the board every day. I know that for a fact. Um, let's see. All right, let's keep scrolling here. Going to look for a couple more, and then we can uh, wrap it up. Oh, this is an interesting one from... Travis from Kansas, what transfer has to be a home run for KU to take the next step forward? Hmm. I think for me, it has to be Lonnie Phelps. You look at KU and what they had with Kyron Johnson, super athletic, pretty productive as a player as a whole. I mean, he's so athletic that he's playing in the NFL now as a linebacker, you know, I think you look at Lonnie Phelps and the ability for him to generate a pass rush and what that could do for other players. 
because you look at Phelps last year at Miami, Ohio, you know, he created a, on passing downs, he created a quarterback pressure once every five snaps. That's pretty darn good. And he had the production to match too, nine and a half sacks last season as well. And so you look at this defensive line room as a whole, there wasn't a bunch of pass rushers last year, right? It was Kyron Johnson and then a bunch of other guys had kind of three and a half sacks, right? Malcolm Lee, had, I think, had the, the second most sacks on the team. I believe it was either two and a half or three and a half. And so I think you need Lonnie Phelps to match what he did at Miami of Ohio last year in order for the defensive line unit as a whole, I think, to take the next step forward. Because I think winning in the trenches is going to be a big deal for Kansas this fall. You look at last year, how often was it, whether it be in the run, where the ball snapped and then all of a sudden KU's defensive linemen are three yards off the line of scrimmage and there's a huge hole for guys to run through. What about, you know, on the other side of things, when you could just double Kyron and all of a sudden no one could win one-on-one. And so I think you look at Lonnie Phillips needing to be a game changer for KU in order for that defensive line room, I think take the next step forward, take some of the pressure off of those guys, allow those guys to play those one-on-one matchups consistently over the course of a game. And so I'm really interested to see how the adaptation process goes for Lonnie Phelps going up from the group of five to the power five. I think that's a big question you have with players that make that jump is how do they handle it? And that's kind of the big question I have. So yeah, I think if I'm going to pick the transfer that has to be a home run for Kansas, I think Lonnie Phelps has to be the one. And for those that are into the transfer portal grades, you know, he is KU's highest rated transfer in a tie with Kai Thomas and Lorenzo McCaskill. So you know, the staff of 24-7 sports that does the transfer portal ratings really, really likes him. And so I think he's going to be a game-changing player for KU this fall. All righty. Do we have any more questions that I can answer for us tonight? I've already got this one, King Fitz. He asks, what is KU's biggest hurdle to finally win more than three games this year? You know, I think for me it's consistent quarterback play. And can the defense get off the field on third downs? I think those are the two things that you look for for KU. Just be competitive in these games. Can you do those two things? Because if you can, you're going to put your offense in a position where maybe it's not backed up and maybe you don't have to respond to a score, right? Can you force punts rather than um, touchdowns, right? That's a simple concept. And so I think those are the two big things for KU. And I think overall, a competitive product is what you need the most. Um, oh, this is the one that got in my DMs. Oh, this is a good one. I like this. Uh, any word on Quinn Conley? Yeah, I think that, man, you look at a story. I think Quinn Conley is super interesting. Um, for those who don't know, he's a, a freshman wide receiver from the Kansas City area. His journey is, I think, super interesting. You know, coming out of high school, he's a four-star recruit uh, at one point during his uh, time at Pembroke Hill. Uh, he had offers from schools like Nebraska, Arizona State, Iowa State, and he transfers to play uh, quarterback at Pembroke and then has an injury as a senior. And so all these things compound where, you know, there aren't as many scholarships available for players who um, have a slower senior season. He shows up to KU as a walk-on now, and I think he's one of these guys that has a really good ceiling. And you think about KU and the walk-on program, it's not been great, you know, over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. And you think about guys like Quentin Conley, who can come in as a walk-on, but also have the pedigree of being a highly coveted recruit at one point in time and has the talent. And so I think for him, you know, I don't know if he's going to make an impact year one, but 
I think you get him in the weight room, you make, you work on his body, get the athleticism and make sure he's able to play. And then I think he's one of these guys that two, three years down the road, I think he could be someone that is just pushing these other players for playing time because he has the talent. It's just things didn't break his way over his final year, year or two of high school. So I think he's one that really good story um, and really interested to watch kind of his journey at KU. All righty. Oh, this is another one from Travis from KS. If you were to accept a bet that KU goes bowling, what odds would you need? Let me look up KU's Big 12 title odds. Um, I think they're north of a plus 10,000 or something. It'd be a, a hefty penny. I think you'd have to mm, – the odds. I think you bet 10 bucks to win 5,000 maybe. I just six games. I think just is a little bit personally unrealistic. The schedule does KU no favors. You're basically playing eleven Power Five games, right? You know, Houston is still a AAC program and in the Group of Five. But you look at the roster and the fact that they will be in Big Twelve soon. I think you got to consider that a Power Five game. So um, I'm terrible at making odds. I'm realizing here, but. I think that it'd be really high odds because I, I just don't see six wins as being a, a potential option. I think for me, if you're going to rank the realm of possibility for wins, you know, I think I look at, I think three seems like the most likely and then probably two and then four and then one. And after that, it, it's anybody's guess. I think that three is probably what ends up being for KU. Cool. All right. Do we have anything else? Reed, do you have a question? I see you're unmuted. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's be fair here. If we're going to take Houston and put them in the Power Five, can we take Duke <laughs> and take them out of the Power Five? Uh, that's a good one. That's a good question. Uh, maybe. I think it's interesting. The Duke game will be – that's one that KU has to win if they're going to get to the three-win mark. Um, I, I, don't think you, I don't think we want to get down the rabbit hole of taking programs out of the Power Five if we're talking about – Kansas football in the last decade plus here, but I think that the Duke game is going to be big. And so we'll see how everything goes with Mike Elko in their first kind of few weeks of this season. Cool. All right. Do we have any final questions here? I'll give it a last call before we uh, wrap up. I hope everyone enjoyed. It was a lot of fun and I'm sure we'll do more of these as the season gets going and we have more games to talk about because practices are, are fun and all, but I think the games are what we're all here for. All righty. Any more final questions? Oh, here we go. All right. I got one more from Patrick Myers in the DMs. Um, Rank our Big 12 schedule in terms of likelihood of a win. All righty. Let me pull up the schedule here. Oof. All righty. I think uh, this is tough. Okay. So I think probably the, the most likely one for a win I'll take Texas Tech away to start off. I think that at that point in the season, I'm unsure how Texas Tech will be overall in Joey McGuire's first year. I think after that, I think West Virginia has to be the second one. I I go back and forth on the timing of this West Virginia game. And I I go back and forth because I wonder if it's better to play them early in the season or if it's better to play them later in the season. Because if you follow the West Virginia kind of beat and – and what our guys over at the West Virginia 24-7 sports website are saying, you know, this is one of those seasons that if it goes wrong early and West Virginia plays Pitt to open the season, you know, Neil Brown might be out of a job. 
And so do you weigh, you know, could he be out of a job and it's a team that like TCU last year playing without a head coach, you know, that's a possibility, but also you have a transfer quarterback in JT Daniels who, you know, in his first couple of weeks at the, at the offense, like, is he going to be at his best? I don't know. So I think a West Virginia second, I will go with, Oh, that's so tough after this. Now we're getting into the, it's all close. I think maybe I, T's, oh, TCU's I don't trash. Know about that. I, I think you look at, Oh, last year is just a weird year for TCU. And, I, you know, the portal class they have is one spot better than KU in the Big 12. I think I put Iowa State next. It's a transition year for Matt Campbell. I'm sure the Iowa State fans who follow me from my time there are not going to like that. But I think you look at Hunter Deckers, their quarterback, you know, is he able to compete at the, the level that Brock Purdy was at? You know, how does the running game do? I think Iowa State's probably next. And then TCU, Reed, TCU's next after that. Oh, man, then we get tough because then it's just tough games. Um, I think K-State next because after that, it's Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas, and Oklahoma. I think that's probably how I'd rank it. I think it's just a tough Big 12 schedule for KU this year because you look at the home games, and I think TCU and Iowa State are the two winnable Big 12 home games, and those are just tough teams that I think Iowa State has traditionally given KU some issues, and you know, I think that TCU is a team that KU has played close, but I kind of think that TCU might be better than some people, I think, like Reed, uh, might think. Let's see. All right, got one more coming from Michael Ditello. Where would you rank Jalen Daniels as a starting quarterback in the Big 12? Bottom, top, half, top four? I talked about this with Kevin Flaherty on our podcast and you can find the video on our YouTube channel. If you're not already following the YouTube, um, it's the fog Kansas basketball and football coverage is the name. Um, I kind of went through and you look at the quarterbacks, you know, I would take Jalen Daniels over Tyler shook or whoever starts at Texas tech. I know they have a huge quarterback battle going on. I would take him over Adrian Martinez at Kansas state. I think that, We've seen enough of Adrian Martinez at his time in Nebraska. I think that he's a known commodity. You know what you're going to get with him. I would take Jalen Daniels over Hunter Deckers at this point from Iowa State. I would take Jalen Daniels over uh, Chandler Morris at, or uh, Max Duggan, whoever starts at TCU. I'd take him over either one of those guys. And we'll have to see with JT Daniels. I mean, he has the recruiting resume but I just, you look at the performance and it's a little bit up and down for my liking. And so I think you're looking at Jalen being a middle of the road, big 12 quarterback. If he continues the trajectory that he was on over the final three games of last season, because if it's the Jalen Daniels of his freshman year, that's a different question. But I think that's also a tough one to gauge because Jalen as a freshman was 17 years old and didn't have a full spring and things like that. So I think Jalen Daniels, middle of the road, big 12 quarterback, I think if all goes to plan. All right, I'm going to one more check of the DMs, and then we will uh, uh, get out of here. Uh, where'd you rank Kansas running back core in the Big 12? Um, I think I, I said this a few minutes ago, or maybe it's a little while ago. I think that Texas, by far and away, best running back room in the Big 12. You have the best running back in the Big 12 in B.N. Robinson, and outside of that, they've got some talented backs. And outside of that, I think pound for pound, KU can go up against you know Oklahoma. Baylor lost their two starting running backs, and I think that you look at what KU has and the proven production that guys like Kai Thomas and Devin Neal have, in addition to 
the recruiting resume of someone like Sevion Morrison. And that's not even getting to someone like Daniel Hyshaw, who has performed pretty well in the past as well. So I think he's got a top half, top three, four running back room, big 12. And I think that that's one of the strengths of the offense. And as we said earlier, I think we'll see KU's offensive coordinator, Andy Kolonecki, uh, go. Cool. All righty. Well, folks, I think that's all the questions. I really do appreciate everyone tuning in. As always, check back at fog.net. Have a great story coming out tomorrow, a feature talking about KU's transfer portal class. So hopefully everyone enjoys that. And with that, we'll post this recording on fog.net. So if you missed a part of it, you jumped in halfway through, we'll have that for you there. And with that, I hope everyone has a great rest of their Sunday night and a good start to their week tomorrow. We'll talk to you all again soon.